when I was much younger, I wrote screenplays for the major studios, and for a time I was quite successful. If you watch Turner classic movies on TV, sooner or later you'll see something from the 1940s that says, written by Helen Goldman. <laughs> Maybe a Paramount or a Columbia picture with Edward G. Robinson or Barbara Stanwyck speaking my lines. My name meant something in the industry, but those days are behind me. Now, the only dialogue I write is in my head. <laughs> Tell you the truth, composing imaginary conversations is a lifelong habit. I had one of those pretend talks with the young lady in the Whole Foods market. A rather one-sided talk. You know, miss, I could hear myself saying to her, we seem to have a different standard, you and I, of what it means to be utterly betrayed. My country turned on me and people I cared about when all we thought we were doing was trying to make a better world. I was blacklisted and sent to jail for contempt of Congress and accused of being a communist subversive plotting to undermine our American way of life. What do you suppose that was? Because I look at you, a spoiled little paradigm of narcissism and consumerism, and I have to ask, do you represent the way of life I was allegedly menacing? <laughs> Your friend wouldn't trade with you her timeshare in the Swiss Alps, and this you call being backstabbed? You want to hear my definition? How about when the studio head who swore he'd stand by you stops taking your calls one day after your name is mentioned before the House on American Activities Committee? That, Miss Chanel, is betrayal. When your closest friends, when even... I don't know why this woman got me so irritated, except I do know. I was headed for the Billy Wilder Theater at UCLA to see one of the last survivors beside myself of the Hollywood blacklist. Ghosts of the past were swarming around in my head. And I'm going to be honest with you, well-tailored young women like the one in the store make me uneasy because they remind me of myself in my 20s. In my heyday, before the blacklist, I was not immune to the charm of disposable income. <laughs> the studios paid us a lot of money, a lot. I had my share of black evening dresses and wore pearls and went to elegant parties. They called us all kinds of names in those days, but the epithet that really stung was swimming pool communist. In Hollywood, we were not only manufacturing dreams, but living them. And sometimes I had to pinch myself over my good fortune. My parents came to this country with nothing. Russian Jews from Kiev 
who barely survived the pogrom of 1905 and took a steamship for America. My father's younger sister, Hannah, a poor girl died before I was born, she sailed with them. Aunt Hannah, I was named for her, it's a Jewish tradition to take a dead relative's first initial. She was the real radical in the family. I know all about her because she kept a diary. She was a garment worker at a blouse factory in downtown Manhattan. Her girlfriends at the factory read Vogue and dreamt of becoming Gibson girls. She read Bolshevik pamphlets and dreamt of waving the red banner. The factory owners were two Jewish immigrants named Mr. Blank and Mr. Harris. One day in 1911, Hannah boldly marched into their office. Mr. Harris, a cigar clipper in his hand, asked what she wanted. Hannah could not understand how two Jews fleeing oppression like herself could become oppressors. She said, conditions here are miserable and unsafe, and talked of forming a trade union. The men exchanged looks. Harris clipped his cigar, lit it, took a good puff, and blew a smoke ring that hung suspended over Hannah's head like a noose. You try to form a trade union, he said. You'll be out on your ass. You watch me, she said. The factory was called the Triangle Shirtwaist Company. And two days later, the building caught fire. Hannah and 145 of her co-workers died. Blank and Harris got out alive and made a profit on the fire insurance. You want to talk about betrayal? My father didn't approve of his free-thinking sister. He was an Orthodox Jew and worked as a tailor, kept a needle in his lapel until his last days. He wanted to know why was I reading Hannah's diary? I told him, I read everything, which was true. I was insatiably curious. As a teenager, I used to sneak out of our Lower East Side apartment to go to the movies. First motion picture I ever saw was The Emperor Jones starring Paul Robeson. A black man in the lead role of a movie? Unheard of at the time. He ended up testifying before HUAC, the House on American Activities Committee, in 1956, four years after my own appearance. And he told the committee, I am not being tried for whether I am a communist. I am being tried for fighting for my people.